Anybody want to take a dram of me? Now, you ought to go next door with students with Blake and virtual reality and what they're doing. I mean, that, make, that looks like a nursery rhyme, but hey, roller coasters, life. Well, this morning, man, I've been thinking about this series and uh, thinking about this morning, trying to get into this topic with you, how maybe I could inspire you, encourage you. And so I want to start with this, kind of little statistics, and then we'll see how it's interacted with our lives. 40% of the population, they say, and statistically speaking, Two out of five in life will get some form of cancer. Second leading cause of death, as far as we know, claiming about 8 million lives a year. So cancer is a big deal. Every time I'm on the phone or somebody calls me and says, Pastor, I've just got a diagnosis and I've got cancer. And man, all kind of emotions run through me, runs mainly through them and what they're experiencing, what they have to come up with. Uh, I know for me, I've had like just pre-skin deals. I go to a dermatologist twice a year and get to do those fun things, but melanomas and different things that uh, different types of cancer have gotten so many people. But I was thinking about our body, and I just started thinking about the people that have come through here and have had uh, marks of faith on our life. They've helped shape this church, build this church. And I just thought back to the early years. I thought of a lady named Linda Butler. Her husband used to be our sound guy, and I thought about Linda. And then I thought about Keith Kilgore. And I thought it was interesting when I said, when I was thinking in my notes, guess who walked in today? Little Keith. I mean, you look just like your dad. I mean, it was amazing when you walked in. But in from Texas family today, I thought about John Mark. Y'all remember John Mark? I thought about Lori Boone. We had a testimony from Lori some weeks ago or a few years ago. I thought about Debbie Rivers. She's usually up here in the front. I thought about Nancy Magoo, Beth Bowman. Faye Logan. Several of these are in a ladies' small group that meets with Tullus on Wednesday night, and I asked Debbie if she would just find out how many have had cancer, and I was amazed that about a third of the group had had cancer and are surviving. Praise God. Then I thought about a guy that sits back there in the back usually when he comes. It's about a lot of health, Larry Wells. We visited the other day. Then I thought about this precious woman. She was about 30, 31 years of age. Battled brain tumors third, three times. Jessica Shelby. And then in recent days, I thought about you, Mike Magoo, overcoming, and you're victorious. Let's put our hands together and thank God for these. <laughs> Amen. So here's what I want to know. You or someone you love has been impacted. So everybody raise their hand that has been impacted by cancer. Raise your hands in the house. Everybody look around. Hold them up high. Wow, it looks like everybody's been impacted, at least 98% of you. You're like, well, I don't want to be in that club. Give me another one. Last night, Don and I went over to Nukes to get a little dinner, and they were having a car show. I wanted to be in that club. Man, I saw some of the, anyway, I got to get back to the topic. Here we go. So message truth. Look right there in the yellow box. Will you look there in the yellow box with me? Jesus Christ is the big C. I love that. Circle the big C. And cancer is a small C. And I hear, you know, our church is Christ community, triple C, three C church. And we always talk about Christ and exalting and magnifying Jesus. But then we, a lot of times in our life, in our world, in our relationships, our family, our friends, we hear about the little C. And the little C tends to grow. And the big C always needs to be bigger in our life and larger that we focus on Christ. But the little C can almost be daunting and paralyzing as it comes to our life. And I've talked to a lot of cancer survivors over the years and I've had the honor of standing by the bed of so many that have been healed and others that the Lord has healed them, but he called them home. And I thought, you know what? 
in this life, maybe they had a special assignment. Maybe they were going to teach us how to live because for all of us, none of us know when our last day is. Our days are numbered. The Lord ordains the number of days. It's just something about when you get a diagnosis and then they say stage three and when they say stage four, you know, I just lost my brother-in-law in recent months. And when they say that stage four, you just kind of back up and you just go, ugh, is this terminal? This usually isn't good. And some defy it and but ultimately, I know Christ always wins over cancer. So I was thinking in the scripture just about some different verses. So I want you to turn in your Bibles. This is not where you think I'd go. Turn over to 2 Kings. Will you turn over to 2 Kings with me? There's a king here, and his name is Hezekiah. And I started to tell you to turn to Hezekiah 13.2. The sad thing is many of you would have started flipping for Hezekiah and go, little small prophet, can't find it. Because Hezekiah is not a book of the Bible. And that would have been cruel, right? If I'd have done that, you're going, I ain't following that trick. But Hezekiah was a king. And in the 20th chapter of Kings, 2 Kings, we find here this. Matter of fact, I think it's going to come up on the screen. I've got these verses, 1 through 6. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order. Underline that if you've got the scriptures with you. Put your house in order. He tells him that real quickly. Because you're going to die. You will not recover. Now, how many of you want to get that news when you go and go? Put your affairs, put your house in order, bro. You're going to die. You're not going to recover. I'd find me a new church. I'd find me a new doctor. No, he just tells him the truth here. Verse 2, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah, the Bible says, he wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I have heard your prayer. I've seen your tears, and here's hope. And I will, I will heal you. And on the third day from now, you will go up into the temple of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. You're saying, man, that's in the Bible? We just read it. And God hurt. And sometimes God chooses to heal in this life, and sometimes he doesn't. That's why I wanted Jeremy and the team to do even if, because I thought, even if I will praise the name of the Lord, it is well with my soul. Can you say that, church? It is well with your soul. Even if I don't slay or overcome my condition. Now, I want to talk today about God is bigger than cancer, but let me tell you, you can mark out cancer and you can put anything else in there. God, how many of you believe God is bigger than your circumstance or your situation this morning? He is. And sometimes we let the circumstance define us and we let it be bigger. There's a, a quote here that's going to come up by C.S. Lewis. And yeah, I, I always love to quote this guy's brain is amazing. Is there anything worse than going through pain and suffering? Yes. Watching someone you love go through it. And do I have a big Amen. I've always said, if it came down to Donna, if it came down to my girls and my grandkids, give it to me, Lord. Give them life. And I've watched that around so many people in this church over the years. Somebody's sick and they go, I wish the Lord would just let me have it. Not a young person, not a middle-aged person, not this person. Let me take some of that. 
But sometimes we have to walk through that and the pain and suffering, and it's difficult. I know I, I hate to watch people struggle, and so do you. But in that struggle, God grows, God develops, and I believe that God is bigger than my worst nightmare. I believe God's bigger than my worst problem. I believe that God is bigger than my failure. Do you just write in your notes, my God is bigger than blank. God's bigger. I don't know what it is you're facing this morning. This is a word of hope, and I've got a lot of notes here, and I've got a a lot of different scriptures you can look at and meditate on later. Then I, if that wasn't enough, then I said, here's eight more scriptures that will minister to you. You're like, man, this brother's full of the word. How many of you would like your pastor to be full of the word or never even give you the word? Full of the word. I mean, you ain't got a vote on it, so don't worry about it. You're going to get the word as long as I'm here, okay? I mean, man, it's like opinion. Like, I just want to feel good message. This ain't the place. Okay, here it is. Hezekiah, 25 years old. He's, uh, he, he's been ministering here, or he's been serving, and he tells us that, that same. Remember what it says? Get your house in order. Put your house in order. If somebody's dying, we hear that a lot. Have you got your affairs in order? Have you got your papers filed? Have you got power of attorney? Hey, have you got insurance? Hey, have you got anything you want to give me? Hey, do you want to give it to me now? I mean, you know, and all those things. And you go through a litany of things. But here's what I'd say. I don't care what you've got in this world. I just pray you put it right with your heart with the Lord Jesus Christ. That you'd put your spiritual house in order. Because we don't know when our last tick, when our last heartbeat is. And there's some people in here this morning, a good friend of mine, a sister in Christ, and her dad's had hospice called in. He's struggling. And, and man, they're just celebrating every day, every hour is a gift. Let's jump into this. Number one, bad things happen to everyone. You're like, duh, they do. It rains on the righteous. It rains on the unrighteous, on the just, on the unjust. And I know it pops into our mind that we see friends in pain and we go, but they're just good people. They're just kind people. They're kind-hearted. Why does it have to happen to them? And then the people that are violent and destructive and obnoxious or whatever, good things seem to happen to them. But God promises in His Word. Matter of fact, there's a verse, Matthew 5, 45. What come up? Is, is, is the back screen not working? I'm sorry. I, nothing keeps coming up. That's all right. All right. That you, yeah, I just get to look at my glorious head, my yarmulke, Okay. Hey, do me a favor. I'm sorry. I know I shouldn't do this. Make a note that we talk about that. Okay, here we go. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good, and He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous, and there it is in the Word of God. A lot of times people are like, why are bad, crummy things happen to my mama? Why are they happening to my son? Why are they happening to my baby? They're good. They are good, and you're good. And, and you're evil and you have wicked thoughts sometimes and your heart's deceitful, but at the end of the time you've been created by God and for a purpose and God just says that he's going to let things happen and we're going to suffer and some people suffer more than others. And, and, but here's what I know. Life is never lost to the one who can restore life. And I go a big amen. God can renew. God can resurrect. God can rekindle. God can restore so God doesn't lose anything. He, God's not lost. He's not lost his sovereign power or control over the universe. But he allows these things to happen. And we'll just kind of build a case. Look at the second one. When things are out of control, turn to the one who is able. I love that last song that we sang. It really emphasized this particular truth today. That we're so like, uh, have you ever been so weak you can't get out of bed? 
you've probably been there, maybe the, the flu or something, but maybe you've been really sick and you had to have surgery. Or maybe, yes, you even had the cancer. I've watched so many people go through treatments and, and, and praise God when they come out of the chemo and the radiation and they're over those treatments. They're going, man, they've like nuked my body. They've like exhausted me, like all my hair fell out. Man, I'm just sick all the time. I just feel gross. I'm just weak. I'm weak and my body's being reduced. And you're going, man, stop talking about it. But I like what the scripture says. Jeremiah says, Lord, you made everything, the heaven and the earth, everything. Lord, there's nothing too hard for you. Do you believe that today, guys, that there's nothing too hard for God? Do you think cancer is too big for God to overcome? No. Now, God can use this cancer, and you're saying, man, I don't want it. Well, we don't get to pick. And a lot of times you hear people say, oh, Lord, it's cancer. I know, I know, Lord, it's cancer. But, Lord, you created the heavens and the earth. Here's what I just want you to look at. Recognize the one that you're talking to. Recognize the one that you're praying to. He is the Lord God of heaven who is over all. And he is supreme. And he is to be worshipped in cancer, out of cancer, through cancer, overcoming cancer, through death and life. Nothing can separate you and me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Well, amen. That's it. Do y'all feel it in your spirit? Like, God, you are great. You are magnificent. I trust you. Lord, I slow down. You're my healer. And, and I hear this. I, I just, I'm going to mess some of you up right now, but that's okay because you have been taught a lie. You didn't hear this from me. I don't know where you heard it. Oh, God, I'll never give you, brother, any more than what you can handle. That is bull. Write that in your notes. That is not true. The Bible doesn't say, oh, God will never put more on you than you can handle. God said he wouldn't allow more temptation that you could bear. But God, I found out my God's a crushing God. I found that my God can put some stuff on me that crushes me. Do I have a witness in the house? So quit saying, he just won't put any more on you than you can handle. And you're back there with IVs out of your arms and throwing up going, bring it on. You're like, man, I'm being crushed. I'm being reduced. You ever been reduced? Reduced. I don't know what reduced is. That's a cool word. You ever been reduced in your financial state? You're like, man, if the Lord sends another bill, I'm going to declare broke. You're saying, Pastor, I'm already there. Okay, let's move on. Three, Three, compassion in our suffering. I believe that our God's compassionate in suffering. And he heard the prayer of Hezekiah. And the Bible says that he added life. He added 15 more years. So this morning, or this week, or this year, see, this is one of those messages you don't want to forget very much about. You want to take some notes. You want to put this in your Bible. You want to hold on to this because there will be you. There'll be somebody you love. There'll be somebody at work. There'll be somebody on your ball team. I still remember when I was a youth pastor, I got a call one day. A little girl was about 13 years old. I didn't know her, but I had a reputation. So they said, oh, call him. He loves Jesus, and he'll, he'll be able to help. And they called me over to Ashley's house. And ha- Ashley had bone cancer, and it was just destroying her body. She'd been a big softball player. And when I got there, she was in a wheelchair, and cancer was just ravaging this little 13-year-old girl. And I'd pray with her, and I'd share with her, and Man, I got to tell you, it, it just it took my heart out. And then I, then I thought back when I was in seminary, and I went to a place over in Atlanta, a little school called Emory. And they have a cancer hospital for children there, pediatrics. And every day I would walk to class, and I would have to walk by this, and I would see young moms holding their little kids in their arms that were undergoing cancer treatment. 
And every morning on the way to class, I would cry, not because I was going to class, although that made me cry sometimes. I would cry because I'd see those moms. You see, I ended up doing theological studies a little bit later, and, um, and, and, and we had Rachel. And then Hannah came, and I would see those moms, and I thought, that could be Donna and I standing in line holding our little one, hoping to receive treatment. This is a very sobering topic when we talk about cancer, but God has not abandoned us. Somebody said, compassion is your pain in my heart. I like that. They define compassion as pain in my heart. I feel your pain. So when people in our body go through cancer or your friends go, I pray that we would be witnesses, ambassadors for Christ, and we would be able to help them somehow through this. Psalm 103, verse 8, The Lord is compassionate, gracious, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. But he's a gracious God. The fourth one. It's not over until it's good. Now, listen, somebody's going to get mad and go, Pastor, these first three points are pretty good. Now, I don't like this, number, this next one, until it's good. Well, I read a story. I thought about you, Mark Hartley, since you're a big golfer. A professional golfer named Paul Azinger. Is that his name? Huh? Azinger. See, all, all the golfers, they'll correct me. Azinger. Get it right. Okay. Nobody ever corrects me about when I murder a king's name in the scripture. Okay, here we go. Professional golfer Paul Azinger was diagnosed with cancer at age 33. He had just won a PGA championship and had 10 tournament victories to his credit. That's pretty good, isn't it, guys? That's excellent. He wrote, a genuine feeling of fear came over me. I could die from cancer. And then another reality hit me harder. I'm going to die eventually. And anyway, whether from cancer or something else, it's just a question of win everything i had accomplished in golf became meaningless to me all i now wanted to do is what live then he remembered something that larry moody a person that had been on the tour that was teaching bible studies had said to him zinger we're not in the land of the living but we're going to the land of the dying we're not and i remember the first time i ever read that particular statement i, I think uh, i think uh chuck swindoll said it we're in the land of the dying, going, making journey to the land of the living. How many of you think heaven is a place where things live forever? Amen. And this, this land has a fall. Look at Genesis. It has decay, death. Nobody's going to escape death. Even Lazarus that got out of death, he got to go back and do it twice. I mean, you're just not going to escape it. And you're like, well, that's such a morbid subject, Pastor. Well, the bottom line is it's when we have Jesus, and Jesus comes to help us overcome and to be strong in him and to cling to him that we are persuaded in our spirit that neither life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present or to come or height or depth or things that are created, none of that is able to separate us from the love of God that is in his son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, help us through pain that, Lord, it is bad but help us to find the good that you are constant, that you're sustaining, that you're sovereign. It's like this morning, if somebody fell down and broke their wrist and their wrist was all gnarly, what would you do? Be at peace, friend. You'll never play basketball again. No, you wouldn't do that because I watch y'all over here all the time. Y'all are like throwing bricks and tearing it up and awesome basketball going on here all the time. But here's what you would do. You would quickly go over to an emergency room 
and they would make a plan and they would do emergency surgery and you'd have orthopedic surgery and, and some of you would cry, oh, it's going to hurt. Yeah, it's going to hurt, but it's going to hurt more not to get it fixed. And you would go through this process and hopefully healing would come out and you'd get back to your game. Well, here's the thing. We might go through cancer. We might go through some other disease. We might go through sickness. I don't know what it is, but I believe that in that God can work for our good because he loves us because he's for us. This one person says, life's fractures can be mended, but by faith in Christ the Lord. At first the pain, but then the gain, and useful restored. God, help us to find purpose in the pain, in the sickness, in the situation that you're branding, that you're developing, that you're shaping our hearts after you. I do know this. There's a lot of uncertainty, isn't it? Uncertainty is everywhere. It's in the economy. It's in school. It's in our homes. It's in our lives. But the certainty is Christ. Listen to this. God does not leave us alone in our pain, but he meets us in the midst of it. How many of you believe that God wants to draw near to you and you might get closer to God in greater pain than good times? How many of you believe that God draws close and you draw closer to him when things are more difficult than when they're good? I do. Man, you give me a diagnosis, you give me a tough situation, I've watched our church go through some hard times, and when the church is not prospering, when the church is having a harder time, Father, you got my total attention. I'm leaning in. You go see a family that their family member's dying, or their family's been diagnosed with stage 2, stage 3, stage 4 cancer. So many times, man, you'll see them leaning into the heart of the Father. They'll be in the Word. They'll be pursuing Christ. They'll be seeking healing. They'll be seeking restoration in their body, renewal. But here's what I'll never forget. She used to walk in this room, and she'd have a little bandana on her head, and she kept overcoming. And then the third time, it took her out, and I remember being in the house with her. And I want you to write this down if you don't write down anything else today. And she'd look at me with those big eyes, and she'd say, God's got this. I go, huh? She goes, Pastor, God's got this. He's going to heal me, or he's going to take me home to be with him. And I still remember being in her home the night that Jesus took her home to Jessica. God's got this. So I give you this message just telling you, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring for me or you. It's a little scary. Like, God, why am I so burdened to preach this message about you're bigger than cancer? Am I going to discover cancer in my body is my best friend? Are y'all going to discover cancer? Oh, I pray not. Oh, I pray not, friend. I think about you, Nancy, you and Mike. How when Mike was diagnosed and how y'all struggled and you, man, my man, I'm fighting for my man. i got to have him. Who's going to cut the grass? You, you know what I'm saying? Hey, she, she prayed you back, brother. And man, God just started working. He started healing. Mike's here every single weekend. Matter of fact, it was killing him not to be here when he was going through treatment. A pastor loves people like that. He wanted to be here to hear me articulate the truths as an orator of the words of God. But some of you are like this. Hey, What's the weather going to be tomorrow? They're forecasting rain. I don't think we're going to church. You know, let's do something else. I'm going to tell you, you get on my naughty list when you tell me stuff like that. Okay, here we go. All right. Testimonies. God, you're bigger than cancer. Here it is. Just write this down real quick. God doesn't owe you or anything. God is not your debtor. He's not my debtor. God doesn't owe you 80 years. He is God. 
Oh, man, this is like a, oh, i got to hurry. Fifth, life is not fair. You remember when I always tell you that truth around here, life's not fair? Andy Stanley said it one time, fairness ended in the garden. <laughs> and we're always like, God, it's not fair. It's not fair they have cancer. It's not fair. But you know what? God's bigger than this. God never promised you or me the American Western dream. He just promised us his presence. He promised to be with us. He promised to never abandon us. He promised to sustain us. He didn't call us to an entitlement, normal life, although we would like to have a normal life. You know what the, the writer one time, Patsy Claremont or somebody said, what is normal? It's only a setting on the dryer. People are like, man, we used to be normal. I'm thinking, no, I used to know you, and you weren't normal then, you ain't normal now. Turn to the person next to you and go, you're not normal. Just turn to them and tell them. That felt good, didn't it? Now turn to them, turn to the other person, like, you're not normal either, okay? That way everybody feels that way. Because some of you are kind of introvert. You're like, I can't tell them they're not normal. <laughs> Zelda, you're not having any problem with it, are you? <laughs> There's one thing about it when you're 87. You don't really care what they think. You just go ahead and let them know. All right. Number six, you will waste your sickness if you do not believe it is designed for you by God. Now, when I first discovered this truth, I thought, well, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I like this. But I do believe this. I believe that God uses sickness. I believe that God uses cancer by design. Because I didn't think God created us to have cancer. He created us perfect in the garden. The garden. But because of the fall of man and all the things that came in, even creation groans because it's been contaminated too, that God designs it, that he uses it for our good. And so we can overcome. God, I, I know God, he created the cells, he created the molecular development in our body, and God can change those. And at the same time, sometimes when... Uh, cancer cells come into the body and then it gets into your dna and it begins to multiply and that's about all i know tell us you you explain a lesson to them or dr schaffner you're a doctor in a few weeks you explain all the molecular activity in the body because it's like i did okay in biology but i just don't understand it okay so god oversees but god god has a, how many of you believe, believe god is a designer he is and i believe god designs and in all things that god can work for our good romans 8 28 he can according to his purpose i'm never i'm not saying don't hear me cancer is not good cancer is yeah it's bad but god is behind and he can work through that to draw you to his heart to conform you to invite you to resign to yourself and have uh, honest dialogue and conversation and fellowship and communion look at number seven one must not seek comfort from uh, uh, your odds rather than from God. You know, there's a thing. God doesn't want to be shared. God doesn't want us to have idols in our life. God wants us to run to him. As a, I, I can tell you so much truth. The psalmist would just say, but I trust in the name of the Lord my God. I don't trust in man. I don't trust in what I can accumulate. I don't trust in my intellect, but I trust in the living Christ. Lord, Sometimes in cancer and sickness and whatever, you knock the props out from under our feet. That's what I've learned about every person I've ever talked with that had cancer. Usually they're pretty humble people. They've been dethroned, and they just really focus many times on what matters. And it usually comes to relationship with Christ and relationship with other people. They just kind of get rid of the... Uh, superficial stuff it just kind of can push that aside like man i was fighting for my life number eight look at it if you have a serious illness do not refuse to think about death now you're going oh pastor really well don't refuse to think about it 
Because the Bible says that God numbers our days and God assigns the days. And, and, and if, if we die, you know, we die. And we are going to die unless the, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ comes before our death. But God is bigger than this. Ecclesiastes 7.2. It is better to go to the house of mourning a funeral than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind. And the living will lay it to heart. How can you lay it to heart if you won't think about it? Psalm 90:12. Listen to this. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Now, I don't know, you don't know how many days you've been assigned. The Father just doesn't tell us. And I don't know about you, I'm glad God doesn't tell me how many days I get. How about you? I mean, can you imagine the dumb things we would do if we knew how many days we had? Especially when you're a teenager. And I'm just thinking, you know what I'm thinking? Hey, teenagers, would y'all agree with that? Hello? Oh, I know, I looked over, like I saw them a minute ago, and now they're gone. Like, okay, well, whatever, all right, well they're serving hey how, how many of you would think what would you do if you knew the number of days you had i mean like what if god said on uh june the uh, uh 18th you're coming home you go man i'd live a lot different than i am now but god help us to number those days help us to live those days to the fullest for the glory of christ lord help uh, somebody once said that cancer should be a signpost that it just helps point me to my father it just helps me think about the things that are really really important look at look at nine you will waste your cancer if you think beating cancer means staying alive rather than cherishing christ now i'm all about people living and i love it when people go man i got a good report i'm cancer free i'm in remission man i just get thrilled and i rejoice with you and i celebrate and we had so many people here that they have found that to be their lot in life and like god blessed be the name of the lord but more than beating cancer more than beating death is cherishing honoring magnifying the name of jesus and the scripture says, I can count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And then he goes into uh, Philippians 1.21, to live is Jesus, to die far better gain. And this morning, I, when I do a message like this, it just makes me think about the saints that have come through this room and their lives that they have journeyed, their lives that they have lived for the master. Awesome. Awesome. Next weekend, we're going to happen to honor a few moms. Uh, and a lot of them won't be here. They, they live other places, but their kids will give testimony about what they learned about their father from their moms. It's awesome. Number 10, don't let your illness drive you into solitude instead of deepening your relationship with great affection for others. Sometimes it happens to people. They turn inward. They cast off the community of faith. They cast off their family. And they go to the closet, they go to the room, and they die. I would say embrace the body of Christ always, in season and out of season. And when you're having a hard time, I think it's a great time to run to the Lord. In Philippians 2, 26 through 27, is it going to come up here on the screen? The next verse. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you hear or you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, circle it, and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. I love it when the Lord spares you and me. How many of you want to say a big amen there? Isn't it awesome when the Lord goes, it's not your time. Like King Hezekiah, I'm giving you 15 more years. I had to do that real quick. Like, okay, I got to do it. No, okay, blink, like blink, 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 okay. Y'all got it, right? 
God, add life, add value, Lord. Let me live for your glory. Let me see you, Lord. Uh, because you know what I've learned? Our culture is terrified by death. They're cult, they're, the, the world is terrified by facing this reality called death. But we need not fear it because of Christ and our faith in the resurrected one. Eleven, move. As a follower of Jesus, do not grieve as those who have no hope. I talk about that a lot, but that's the hope of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ. And because you have faith, or you could consider coming to faith today in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you have this sentence on your life or this sentence of death, man, you are not one without hope because you've trusted in the one that gives life. And this grief, yeah, man, there's grief. I've stood, I, I can't even look at some people right now because I'd start crying because I've walked through some of the pain with you in your life of losing loved ones. And I've lost a lot of loved ones in my life over, over the years. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, you're faithful. You're true, Lord. Show, Lord, make this congregation a people that could show the world how to live with grief that we're overcomers in your son, that we trust you. And Lord, we have a genuine concern for other people. Twelve, move there quickly. You will waste your pain if you fail to use it as a means of witness to the truth and to the glory of Jesus Christ. So if you or me contract cancer or find out about cancer in our lifetime, let's choose in our heart to elevate the one who is worthy Let's point people to the risen, impactful, powerful, life-changing, transforming Christ. Lord, give us strength to endure. You know, there's a, a group called hospice, and every time I, I talk to a lot of hospice people over the years, and I go, and the, man, they do such a great job. They, they care for people with, in death and dying with dignity and honor. And many of those people are believers that love Christ. And you can kind of tell, you'll see, the, the, you'll see Christ radiating through them as they're offering up hope. So if we get at that point or we're just, we just found out, hey, I went to my dermatologist and they go, man, you know, you got some problems, you need to go get help. Or you, you go to the doctor and the doctor goes, it's in your liver, it's in your pancreas, it's in your lungs. You know, you women, you go and you're like, man, and then the doctor comes back. I'm just saying, God is bigger than our cancer. I want to give a message of hope that, yes, man, I've stood before many funerals and, and, and proclaimed the gospel of Jesus and have bragged on people. But I told somebody this this morning, and Daniel, it's good that you and Kim are here. Because I cannot tell you all the times. I've done a lot of services. But I remember in this room, in a full house, proclaiming Christ over your dad going home and I got through and literally for months people would call me and they'd go my goodness that service was amazing I want you to do my funeral just like that and I thought about it and then I had a response I said you live like that you get a service like that because it matters your witness matters just write that in your notes today my witness matters to the world so there could be a teenager today that's hearing me that's going to really need this message. There's a young adult. There's a, I mean, and it, it might not be that they've got cancer or going to get cancer. It might be that they, they've got a family one or a grandparent or their next-door neighbor or their best friend. I don't know, but this is a message that needs to go forth. And, Lord, we just want to trust you in our pain because you're great. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for another Sunday morning to be in your presence with your kids 
And Lord, I thank you for the children and Zelda, and I thank you for our friends and brothers and sisters and guests. And God, I pray that somehow you would take these words, and Lord, that we would learn to live courageously and to live victoriously through our life and witness of Christ. And that, Lord, whatever life cast on us, that it rains on the just and the unjust. But Lord, whatever it is, I will receive it and I will say, Lord, work all things for good in my life. Work through me. Live your life through me. Make me a living witness. You're good. I bless your name. Lord, today, draw somebody to faith. Maybe somebody's going, man, I'm so scared of death. There is no fear in death when you are firmly secure in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to be in the back if somebody just wants to come and talk about making a commitment of faith in their heart to the Savior. Jesus has come. Come as you are. Follow me. And I'll make you a disciple. Lord, we love you. And I thank you for the pain here. To, uh, the pain. I thank you for the people, but I thank you for the pain. And the Lord, in the pain that we can grow. And Lord, right now, I bet everybody in this room has got somebody on their heart. Let's all stand. Everybody just stand right where you are. Still in a spirit of prayer. We just reach out to the people. Reach across the aisle. Just reach out and grab people's hands. Just reach out there and go, yeah, man, just let's symbolize our unity and our, our unification. And then we're the body of Christ. And everybody holds a hand. And the person you're holding, their heart's beating. If it's not, raise your hand. Let me know, okay? Man, there's life in this room. And Lord, th with this many people, we're all affected by cancer, but I pray we would more be affected by the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is bigger than my cancer, he is bigger than my heart disease, he is bigger than whatever. My God is big in Jesus' name. Amen. Go have an awesome day and sweat some. Okay. It's nice and humid.